Has this ever happened to you? You're reading the Bible, you're going along, good stories, all looking pretty good, and then suddenly you read something, you're like, what? Wait, God's doing this? That, that can't be right. I, I don't think I agree with this. Like, this doesn't make sense. What is this doing in the Bible? All right. has, it, has that ever happened to you? Raise your hand. Okay, all sides, all venues. Okay, okay. So those of you watching online, lots of people raise their hands. Lots of you have experienced a sense of dissonance with the Bible, right? You hit something, you're going, what? This shouldn't be in the Bible. Something's wrong. Now, I do notice there's a minority of you who have, did not raise your hand, which means you have not experienced this dissonance. So what I want to do today is to help you, or try to help you, have that experience. <laughs> I want to give you a, a passage, and my, my hope is that your reaction is going to be, whoa, wait a minute, that's in the Bible? Why is that there? Okay, so the, 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 the passage I'm going to give you is a, is a short little story in, in 2 Kings. Um, it's a story about a prophet named Elisha. Uh, the, a prophet in the Old Testament is somebody who speaks on God's behalf. He is God's spokesperson to his people. And in this story in 2 Kings chapter 2, well, Elisha is doing a little traveling. So from there, Elisha, the prophet, went up to Bethel. And as he was walking along the road, some boys came out of the town and jeered at him. Get out of here, Baldy, they said. Get out of here, Baldy. He turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of Yahweh. When you see the word Lord in all caps, that marks God's personal name, Yahweh. Okay, so the storyline, right? Elisha the prophet, he's just walking on the road, and a bunch of kids come out, and they're just being rude, right? They're calling him name. They're calling him Baldy. They're making fun of him. Okay, and we can all agree that is not very nice. And we can all agree on that. So Elisha, as the man of God, as the prophet, as the mature man of God, what does he do? Well, well, he turns around and calls down a curse on them? Huh. What do you think happens next? Then two bears <laughs> came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. You guys are laughing? <laughs> Okay, I don't know what your reaction is. I don't know what your reaction is. Okay, one possible reaction is, yeah, those boys had it coming because you do not mess with bold people. See, I am getting there. I am getting there. Elisha is my new hero. Hashtag do not mess with bald guys. All right? That is one possible reaction. I'm hoping it wasn't yours. <laughs> I'm hoping your reaction is something more like, wow, that seems kind of excessive. Right? I mean, 42 dead kids because they said, get out of here, Baldy. I mean, what was Elisha thinking? What was God thinking? Now, now, some of you in here, you might be getting a little worried. You're like, okay, now why? I mean, especially if it's your first time here. You're like, why is this, this guy up here talking trash about the Bible? <laughs> okay, so let me just clarify. If, you're, if this is your first time here visiting us, welcome to Blog Talk. We're so glad you're here. And second, I am absolutely not up here to talk trash about the Bible. Okay, What I just want to point out is it is very common for people to read the Bible and run into things that make them go, huh? And you go, that can't be right. And we disagree with what's in the text. And the big idea for today's talk is this. The question is not whether we disagree with the Bible. The question is, what do we do with our disagreements? And that's where we're headed today. 
But before we go there, let me introduce myself. My name is Charles. I'm one of the pastors on the teaching team. Uh, to the Chinese speakers, to the Spanish speakers, and to the English speakers, welcome to Blackhawk Church. We're so very glad you're here. We are in the fifth Sunday of our six-part series called Under Construction. It is a series where we're talking about the major reasons why Christ followers begin a deconstruction of their faith. In week one, Pastor Chris talked about this three-step process that we go through, that many of us go through in our faith journey. And what he said was, there's a process called construction where we build some faith or belief in God or in the Bible, and we are constantly doing this. But then we get things coming in, information coming in, and we do some deconstruction. Some expectation that we have about God or the Bible is not working for us anymore, so we begin to dismantle it. And that's when you read the Bible and go, wait a minute, what is this doing here? Ideally, we do reconstruction. Okay? Ideally, we do reconstruction. We get some help from others, and a new and stronger faith emerges that helps us on our spiritual journey, and spiritual transformation takes place. Now, we're, t- we're tackling some of the biggest issues in, in this series. And so we started with, uh, if you love Jesus but struggle with other Christians, I think Michael Nafta did that. Uh, amazing talk on suffering. If you missed it, go, go back and catch these, okay? On suffering. Uh, last week was Science and Faith. Uh, this week, I'm talking about disagreeing with the Bible. And then we're going to end the series next week on the exclusive claims of Jesus. So the Bible causes problems for some people. Now, before I start there, let me, let me start here. Because the Bible is also the foundation for our construction, right? It, is, it provides the central pillars of what we believe, of who God is, what humanity is supposed to be about. And, and the Bible tells us what God does, did for us through Jesus Christ. Personally, the Bible has been absolutely pivotal in my life. It's completely reshaped and changed my life. It, it, on a daily basis, inspires me and moves me toward transformation. It's an amazing book. I spent 18 years in graduate school studying the Bible. I absolutely love the Bible. I hope that's clear. But we cannot get away from the fact that there are things in the Bible that cause people problems. And here's a list of some of the biggest problems. There are stories in the Bible that recounts God punishing entire cities, nations, and people groups as a collective. There are stories in the Bible where God commands his people to commit genocide. There are verses in the Bible that can easily be used and has been used to justify slavery. There are verses in the Bible that on the surface seem outrageously misogynistic. The Bible teaches a sexual ethics that, from today's perspective, especially in the West, seems hateful and judgmental and condemning of those in the LGBTQ community. The Bible seems intolerant of other religion and faith systems. And some of you may have gained a new one today. The Bible seems inordinately protective of bald people. (laughs) Um, Now, my problem for today is this. I can't tackle all of these in 27 minutes, 39 seconds. Um, I can't even do one of them. Okay, in that time. Um, uh, last fall, I did a class called uh, Sex and Faith. And we spent um, six weeks, that's 12 hours, talking about why God created sex and how does God's view of sexuality fits into our lives and our faith. That's 12 hours. Every one of these topics can be a topic for a block course. Okay, so we'll have to find another time and another format to dive into these topics. So today, instead of tackling specific objections, 
I want to get us into a deeper conversation about the entire experience of having struggles with the Bible, of having objections, of disagreeing with the Bible. And so my first point today is this. It is entirely expected that you would disagree with some parts of the Bible. Does that surprise you? I think some people, this is surprising because they feel like, hey, they picked up this idea that following Jesus should be easy, should be smooth, it should feel safe, it should feel right. So we have this constructive belief that we have that says, yeah, it should feel right. And so when we have that in the back of our heads, we develop this expectation that well, reading the Bible should feel the same way, right? When you read the Bible, it should just be all love and kindness and goodness. Everything that is right, it should feel good. And then when we actually read the Bible, huh, we run into things we don't expect, and we're like, what is this doing here? The problem is not the Bible. The problem is with our expectations. You see, this belief right here, this belief right here is built on the false premise that we don't talk about very often. We don't say it out loud. The false premise is this. God should agree with me. We don't say it out loud, but I think almost every one of us think that to some degree, right? Because, okay, I'm not saying God should agree with me on everything, but on the important things. He should agree with me because I'm right. We all think that deep down. We don't say it out loud very much because when you say it out loud, it sounds a little ludicrous, right? The creator God of the universe, the creator of this vast, incomprehensibly large universe should agree with me, okay? So we need to tackle this and we need to deconstruct this belief. So first thing, um, this is obvious. Our views are shaped by the world around us. If you read any kind of history, you go back, you realize, wow, people back then think really differently from what I do now. We are shaped by our culture, by the world around us, how much we might resist it. And so for most of us, 21st century America, and uh, for others who come from different backgrounds and culture, your cultural background shapes your beliefs and your values. And here's what the Bible says about our, our human cultures. The Bible says human cultures are at all times, at all places, are in some ways broken, sinful, and flawed. Which means our beliefs, our values, are broken, sinful, and flawed. Which means God has very different notions about who he is, what it means to be human, what the world should be like, and what is loving and good and just. Which means... God disagrees with us on most things. Huh. That means when you read the Bible, it is entirely natural that you should experience dissonance. That when you're reading the Bible, you're enacting a conflict, a tension, a clash, because God is using the Bible to challenge your beliefs and your values with his beliefs and his values. I mean, I mean, seriously, okay? If you pick up the Bible and you read it all the way through carefully and thoughtfully and you agree with everything in it, then God did not write the Bible. No. God did not write the Bible. It is entirely expected that you would disagree with some parts of the Bible. That's my first point. And that gets us to the, th the main idea I want to talk about today, right? That it's not 
whether we disagree. We will. It's what we're going to do with our disagreements. And to answer that question um, requires a prior answer of two things. One is, who is this God, and why did he write the Bible? And uh, if you've been around Blackhawk long enough, you, you would have heard us talking about the Bible as a story, a large, grand, a single story. And, um, and, if, you were, <laughs> and if, you, if, you're, if you want to learn more about the story, we did a whole series back in 22-23. We did nine months summarizing the story of the Bible called Live This Book. Go check it out online. But what does the story of the Bible tell us about who God is and why he wrote the Bible? Well, the story says this. The story says God created a world, a good world. He created humans to be his partners to help him run the world. The humans rebel, and the world falls into chaos and sin and corruption and violence and death. That's the intro part of the story. The main storyline is what God does next. God creates a new people, a people that he knows, and he wants them to know him back, a people that he's committed to, and he wants them to be committed to him, a people that he loves, and he wants them to love him back. He calls his people his sons and daughters. And eventually, he dies for them in order to unite them into himself so he can pour his spirit into them so that they can live lives of integrity, of honor, of truth, of love, of self-sacrifice, of wisdom, of courage, of boldness. In short, lives that reflect his character. And then he invites his people into a partnership with him on a mission to remake this broken world. That's what the story of the Bible tells us. So what does God hope to accomplish with the Bible, with the story? What does he want you to, how does he want you to react when you read the Bible? Well, what he's looking for is this. He's hoping that when you read the Bible, you're going to go, oh, I want to get to know this God. And I want to be part of this people that the story describes. And that is to say, the Bible is an invitation into a relationship of intimacy, love, and commitment with God. It is a a, a handbook, a guide on this journey to transformation, to becoming like God, becoming his sons and daughters, taking on his character, his characteristics. And it is a call to this mission that God is doing to restore this world. That's what God's looking for. Relationship, transformation, mission. That's what God is looking for in this story. Now, think about it. If that's what God wants out of the story, what wants with the Bible, what do we do with our disagreements? Well, first thing, it should be obvious, right? That disagreements is normal because every single one of us is called out of this broken world. So we bring with us ideas from this broken world. And, and some of the ideas, we come into the kingdom, we go, oh, that idea, oh, that's, that's a bad idea. We switch that out pretty quickly. But some of the ideas we have, we kind of like them. And God's ideas, we don't like them as much. So we have this disagreement. So now we disagree. Now what? Remember what does God want? He wants a relationship with a group of people who are partners 
who are being transformed into his sons and his daughters, who are becoming like him and who buy into his mission for the world, which means God does not want blind obedience. God does not want people who says, shut up and behave. Not what he's looking for. He's looking for people who will buy in. He's looking for people to engage, which means you can and you should disagree. Now, some of you are thinking, Charles, where are you getting this from? What do you think? The Bible. The Bible is loaded with stories about people who meet God, they get to know God, they disagree with God, and they argue with God. It starts with the very first guy, Abraham. Abraham is the guy, the guy that, that, that God picked to start this new people. And in Genesis chapter 18, he tells Abraham, hey, I'm going to destroy these two cities, and look at what Abraham does. Then Abraham approached God and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of the, all the earth do right? God says, I'm going to destroy a couple of cities because they've been really evil. And Abraham says, but there might be a few righteous people in the city. You can't do that. That would be wrong. Abraham pushes back against God. Okay? Moses does the same thing. In, in Exodus chapter 32, God says, I get so angry. He says, I'm going to destroy my people. And, and, and Moses steps up. And he says, Yahweh, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Gives a whole bunch of reasons. Okay. Turn from your fierce anger, relent, do not bring disaster on your people, brings more and gives more reason. And then look what happens. Yahweh relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Moses disagrees with God, argues with him, presents his case, and God says, okay, that makes sense. This kind of story goes on in the Bible. Elijah, Jeremiah, Jonah, Peter, okay? People in the Bible, they get to know God, they disagree with God, and they argue with God. Why does this happen? Because it's supposed to happen. Pop quiz. What is the name of God's people in the Old Testament? Okay, let's try that again. Just a little louder than that. Okay, you should all know this. <laughs> what is the name of God's people in the Old Testament? Yes, all right. All right, uh, any, anybody know where that name comes from? That may be a little harder. <laughs> okay, uh, it comes out of Genesis chapter 32. Um, it's a story about a guy named Jacob. He, he is a guy who has problems trusting God. And so in, Gen in Genesis chapter 32, Jacob is wrestling, and I mean literally physically wrestling with God. It's a strange story. And at the end of the wrestling, God blesses him and gives him a new name, and that name is Israel. This is the word Israel in Hebrew. Um, it's pronounced Israel. Israel is a compound word. The second half of the word is El, which you know means God. Um, the first part of the word, Isra, means he struggles with. Israel means he struggles with God. Applied to God's people, it is a people that struggles with God. We're called a church. In the New Testament, we are called new Israel. We are the new people that struggles with God. Are you getting it? Struggling with God is part of our identity. Why? Why is that? 
Well, if you look back at the passages that we were looking at before, okay, what does God do when, when these people argue back with him? Does he go, who are you? I'm God. You're nothing. Lightning bolt. Is that what he does? No. Read the passages. What does God do? He talks to them. He engages, he persuades, he reasons. He gives them space to push back, to argue, because in that process of give and take, these people, they're pulled into a deeper relationship with him, a deeper understanding of what he's about, and they see the world the way he sees it, and they go all in. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for people who go all in. He's looking for people who have a relationship of intimacy and love and commitment with him, who are being transformed into his likeness, who sees the world and go, yes, we want to establish God's kingdom on this earth. That's what he's looking for. Which means the one thing he doesn't want are people who go, okay, whatever, God. Not looking for that. Not helpful. We are new Israel. We are a people who struggle with God. That's who we are. All right, let's get practical. Um, what do we do with our disagreements? There, there are three very popular, uh, very popular um, responses to disagreements that, that Christ followers typically follow. Those three, I think, are uh, very unhelpful. So I'm going to talk about them real quick, and then I'm going to talk about what I think would be the better way. Okay. So here, here, here's option one for um, what's unhelpful. Um, option one, just believe. The Bible says it. I believe it. That settles it. Now, what's wrong with this approach? This approach assumes that what God wants primarily from you is to believe the right things and do the right things. Now, now, I know this is a popular view of God, that God de demands uncritical obedience. But let me just ask you this. What kind of a relationship can you have with somebody who demands that you agree with them on everything? Think about it. But those of you who are parents, okay, just those of you who are parents. Okay, now think about, uh, your, your kids are growing up, right? They're, they're now in middle school, they're in high school, they're teens. Do you want them to obey you without question, without thought? Some of you are thinking, yes, actually, yes, that would be nice. <laughs> that would be lovely. <laughs> okay, so we take a step back from that first response, and we go, okay, let's seriously think about it now. What do we want for our kids? We want them to understand, right? We want them to develop maturity. We want them to be whole persons. We don't want them to be people who says, oh, I'm doing this as my mommy says so. We don't want that. We want more for our kids. Well, guess what? God wants more for his kids. This option limits your relationship with God and it limits your transformation. Option two, make the Bible agree with you. Uh, people in this group will, will say things like, hey, you know, the Bible can be read in any way you like. So just pick the interpretation you like better, right? the one that agrees with you. Now, this, this option um, has two problems. Problem number one is it's simply not true that you can make the Bible say anything you want. I, I know it's been done, okay? I know. Throughout history, people have read the Bible very badly and twisted it for all kinds of evil purposes. But just because people have done that does not mean they're not better interpretations and correct readings. 
There are rules for interpretation. Uh, here's a book I want to introduce to you, if you haven't seen it already. It's called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart. It is a great intro text on some basic rules of interpretation. So if you want to get into this, check out this book. Okay. We also, if you want to go deeper, we also have a class that Pastor Chris Dolson taught on how to read the Bible. There's resources and available on our website, on our resource, our resource page. Go check them out. No, no, no. I'm not saying we have consensus on every passage in the Bible. Not, we're not saying that at all. But it's simply not true that the Bible can be read any way you like. It's not true. Which takes us really to the bigger problem, which is when you make the Bible agree with you, what happens? No transformation. You're left exactly as you are. Instead of you moving to the Bible, you made the Bible come to you. Right? No transformation anymore. There's no disagreement. God agrees with me. All good. What does that do? You don't change, and frankly, it damages your relationship because God does not appreciate having his views erased. So that's a problematic option. Option three, walk away. There are Christ followers who are going through this season where Man, things in the Bible just seem so problematic and so difficult, and they have the sense that God is angry at them for having all these questions, and they, and they feel like other Christ followers are going to judge them for their questions. It just becomes too hard. It becomes too hard to keep praying. It becomes too hard to go to church. So they say, I'm going to walk away from this whole thing. And, and that's really the worst option because now you have no relationship and no transformation. None of these options are what God wants. None of these help accomplish what God is looking to accomplish. So let me talk about what, some next steps for us when we disagree with the Bible, okay? When you find yourself disagreeing with the Bible, first thing to do is relax. It's okay. I, I'm saying this to some of you who come out of uh, faith communities that believe in, do the just belief thing, and what I've been saying has been kind of challenging for you guys. Okay, take a deep breath. It is okay. It is entirely expected that at some point in your life, you will not see eye to eye with God on some point. Okay? It is expected. In fact, those areas now become impetus for you to dig deeper, for you to struggle, for you to move and get closer to God and learn more about his kingdom. Okay? Those are positive things. Second, study the disagreement. Look things up, get books, start looking into this. Now, let me, I should not do this, but let me remind you, not everything online is good. Don't go with some TikTok channel or some Instagram account. Find reputable sources. Uh, if you don't know what those are, uh, we have on our website, we have a research page, a lot of th uh, things that we recommend. But talk to a pastor here on the topic you're interested in, and they'll find you sources that are helpful, that's going to help you reconstruct your faith. And also ask questions, right? Talk to a, your, your community group leader. Talk to your, your, your Bible study leader. Talk to a pastor. And if, if those people you approach, they, they discourage your questions, don't be discouraged. You just talk to the wrong person. <laughs> Find a person that will engage with your questions. Okay? Number three. This is the key one. Okay? Remember that God wants to engage. Let's say you read the Bible, you study and go, I think it says what it says, and I really disagree with this. Okay. That does not mean somehow that you can't follow Jesus anymore. How do I know that? Because people in the Bible disagree with God, and they're still God's people. 
Disagreeing with the Bible is not the end of the relationship. It's just not that now you're moving into the Israelness of our identity, the struggle with God part of our identity. And now you get to ask questions. Now you get to struggle. You get to talk and pray and, and, and dig deep and probe. And God's like, yes, <laughs> keep it coming. I want this interaction. All right. So give God the space to interact with you. That's my story. I became a Christ follower in college. I ran into something pretty foundational in the, in, in the Bible that I thought, this can't be right. 20-year struggle. Yeah, you thought it would be short, right? Like a couple weeks. No, no, no. This was a 20-year struggle where I finally got to the point where I said, oh, I can see where you're coming from. Okay. 20 years in which the struggle completely changed my relationship with God, how I understood the Bible, how I understood what he's doing in this world. It was revolutionary to go through that process. So I'm telling you, God's like, give me that struggle. I will do stuff with it in your life. Now, at this point, I need to make something clear because I'm a little worried that Somebody's going to walk out of here and says, Pastor Charles, it's okay to disagree with God and do whatever I want, and, and, and I can still call myself a Christ follower because it's okay to disagree with God. I'm not saying that. So let me make things clear. Okay. What does God want? Relationship, transformation, mission. When we decide to follow Jesus, we're saying we want the same thing. We're saying, I want a relationship with God, I want to be transformed into his likeness, and I want to buy into his mission for this world. And within that goal, within the process of achieving that, disagreeing with God can be helpful to deepen our relationship, deepen our transformation, deepen our understanding of the mission. It is not a free pass to do whatever you want. Okay, so I hope that's clear. That takes us to number four. Maintain trust in God's love and goodness. Look, this is one of the things we, we sometimes forget is that he's God. There's going to be things about his thinking and his value system that we just don't get. And there's mystery that's, that's there, that's present in relating to a God like that. So when we have disagreements, it's important to step away and not let that disagreement define our relationship. We step away and we go, okay, what's the big picture? What is the big picture of who God is from the Bible? Oh, he's a God of love and justice who knows me and loves me and seeks to create a people to help and partner here with him to restore this broken world. Oh, I can get behind that. And within that larger context, oh, we have some disagreements here and there. Okay, let's figure those things out as we continue in this trust in God's love and goodness. And then, finally, stay in community. Don't do this alone. Now, it's, it requires discernment, right? If you join a group who believe in, you know, just believe, then your ideas will be, your questions will be shut down and you will feel judged. If you join a bunch of people who says, make the Bible say what you want it to say, you're not going to be transformed very much, and your relationship with God will be stunted. And if you hang out with a bunch of people who are all walking away from God, they're going to pull you right along. So choose your community wisely. Here at Blockhawk Church, we yearn to be the community where questions are not merely tolerated, 
but they're actually encouraged. And we see them as being a beneficial for your transformation and for the health of the church. This is why we do things like block talk courses, right? I mean, I mean, we, I mean you, you heard the announcement earlier. Pastor Chris Cobb and I are teaching a course on, on politics and faith. You think we have a lot of answers? So many questions, so much complexity, right? We want to turn our church into a question-asking church, a place where we're asking and we're talking, we're discussing, and we're maintaining unity. We're doing all those things. We have places like Blackhawk Bible Study. Okay? Right now, they started the semester. They're working on a book called James in the New Testament. A oh, fantastic book. In fact, we're preaching on it starting in two Sundays. So it's still not too late to sign up for, for the, for, for, for the, for the, for the Bible, Bible study called James, on James. And, and I want to give you one more resource. Um, it's called Upper House. Um, Upper House is a, is a partner that we have downtown. They, it's such a great place. Look, if you're not on their, on, on their, on their um, mailing list, you absolutely should be. They, they have a constant stream of theologians, writers, and artists coming in, and they're teaching us about how to be a Christ follower in this complex world. They have a, a, a learning group that get together and talk about things they're learning and, and, and questioning. For those of you who are college students, they have a fellows program. This is absolutely a fantastic resource. We love Upper House. We love their learning posture. So use that resource. Go there. Okay, go there. Because this is my hope for Blackhawk Church. This is my dream for our church family. That we become a community that live out our, what it means to be new Israel. That we are the struggle with God people. That, that this place Becomes a, becomes a place where, where people who, who, who think deeply and, and, and engage deeply with the Bible, that becomes the norm. I mean, seriously, when you read the Bible carefully and thoughtfully, you should have a ton of questions. Let's be that place where we ask questions. Let's be that place where we talk about the questions. Let's be that place where we're digging and probing and getting more understanding, and in the process, we're giving God the space to deepen our relationship with Him, to deepen our transformation, and to help us, equip us better for the mission to this world. Let me pray for us. Father, it does seem odd that you want us to struggle with you, but it seems like you do, that you call us a struggle with God, people. And so we will. We'll take you up on that because we know what you want. You want sons and daughters. You don't want servants. You want people to truly understand your perspective. And that takes time because we are, we are stubborn. We like our ideas. We want to hang on to them as long as we can. So we put that before you. And we want to be a place and a people that engages. So uh, help us do that, Lord. Do it. Help us do it well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.